Welcome to the Living Hope Parent Gathering podcast. The Parent Gathering is a weekly meeting of parents who are being trained for family discipleship through instruction and small group discussion. Listen now as we share with you what we taught students this past Sunday morning. So now the time for kind of the parent section of this where the equipping section where, like I said, Mary Ann's been going through this book. Um, we'll be finishing it up next week. And I love this quote from the book. It says, the process of parenting is one of the most spiritually formative journeys a man or woman can ever undertake. The journey of caring for, raising, training, and loving children will mark us indelibly and powerfully. We cannot be the same people we once were. We will be forever changed. Now, I'm almost 31 years old, don't have any kids, have a dog, but I'm sure y'all are like, guys, that's nothing like having a kid. I get it. Um, but I have served in student ministry for a few years. And if there's one thing I've learned in all those years of serving in ministry and having conversations with parents is this, y'all have the hardest stinking job in the world raising kids. Um, Raising kids, it's one of the hardest things we do, but it's also one of the most spiritually refining things that we can do and that God brings into our life because kiddos constantly remind us of our sinfulness, that we do not love perfect as God loves us, that our ability to relate, understand, and build intimacy with our kids comes up short in a way that God does not, but that anything that God uses to make us more like Him is for our good. So the first thing we, in these three chapters that we were going over today is that raising kids teaches us to trust God. It's really simple. Y'all probably like, we know that, but a lot of times we just need to hear the same thing repeated back to relearn the same message again. Being around kids, even the absolute best kids, teach us to trust God. You know, the ph Socrates, the philosopher, he said it best. He said, children today are tyrants. They contradict their parents, gobble all their food, and tyrannize their teachers. Not much has changed since like 500 AD, right? Kids are still going to be kids. And what I'm about to say, I think we all need to hear, regardless of the age of your kid, a kid can be raised by godly parents who do everything the Bible tells them to do. Yet the kid can still choose to live an ungodly life. That some kids, despite your best, our best abilities as parents, will be more of a headache than a joy. And the Bible is, is more honest about that than many of us are. In the Old Testament, God gives us accounts of children who do all sorts of terrible things. I think of like the book of Judges with a, guy, with a kid named Abimelech. I think that's how you pronounce it. He, he was the son of Gideon. You might be more familiar with that name. Don't know much about Gideon's parent st parenting style. Judges doesn't really describe that too much. But essentially what happens as Gideon dies, um, his son Abimelech, who had a war, a huge desire for control and power, essentially Gideon dies and 
Abimelech goes and murders all of his brothers except one. Again, we don't know Gideon's parenting style, but we do know the scripture says the hand of the Lord was with him and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Now, Lord luckily in his sovereignty had someone drop a millstone on Abimelech's head, but hopefully that doesn't happen to anyone else. <laughs> um, but also you gotta think about Adam and Eve. They had two sons, right? Abel, who was a godly son, and also a murderous son, Cain. Jesus, it even says Jesus loved Judas with like a love of a, son, of a um, father, but he also betrayed him. And I could go on and on, y'all, about the honesty that the Bible gives us about children. And the Bible is honest about that because the Bible is honest about sin, right? Romans 3.23, a lot of y'all know that verse. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know, Second Chronicles 3, not 3, 636 says there's no one who does not sin. You know, Isaiah 53, 6 says all were like sheep and have gone astray and turned every one of them to his own way. Or Jeremiah 17, 9, y'all might be familiar with that one. It says the heart's deceitful among all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Guys, these are just a few of the verses that talk about the condition of our heart and in this in Gary Thomas in this book he goes on to describe that and he says the process of parenting does two simultaneous yet contradictory things it gives us unparalleled power but also makes us nakedly vulnerable and that's scary isn't it like the decisions that you make have a major impact on your kiddos their development, their education, their health, and God's using you to be one of, their, one of the, his tools in their life to form their soul. You can look at Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, and 20 through 23. It summarizes the value that God places on parenting and the role that he has given you. And it's an amazing power, but also with that power comes an immediate vulnerability. And that's scary because we when we're vulnerable, we open ourselves up for hurt, right? And we don't like that. And it, we open ourselves up to be disappointed by our children a lot. And that fear is normal. Fear is normal and it's a healthy thing. But just like any emotion, there's a light side and a shadow side. There's healthy and unhealthy fear. The healthy fear alerts us when something is wrong or may be wrong right? Like healthy fear doesn't affect your daily life. It's caused by real threats. And it lasts only when you're in danger and you forget about it once it's over. But unhealthy fear is a response to an imagined danger that isn't real. And it affects your daily life. You become fixated on what could happen and you obsess over that. And the question when you're processing fear with your in regards to your kids, and I love this question that he poses in the book. If fear of a potential issue ruled our lives, would your kids suffer from our fear more than they would from the actual issue? <laughs> would your kids suffer more from, the, from your fear than they would the actual issue? Now in the midst of our fear, whether healthy or unhealthy, God calls us to trust him. In the Bible, God says, do not be afraid or fear not over a hundred times. And really in scripture, repetition is important because God could have ch chosen 
any words he wanted, however he wanted, to use whenever he wanted. But he chose to use the words, fear not, or do not be afraid, over a hundred times. Because he knows the condition of our heart to be fearful. Like he, and in so many of those times that he finishes that phrase, do not fear, he finishes it with, for I am with you. Parents, in the midst of your fear, vulnerability, feeling inadequate, the Lord is with you. And he walks with you through that, that you're not alone. And those fears you have that your child may, has gone off the rails and that those trials you'll face, it can be so easy to ask God to remove that trial, right? And to make it all go away. And asking God to do that isn't wrong. It's an honest prayer. But one thing when we look throughout scripture and how God interacts with us in our trial is to strengthen us in the midst of difficulty rather than take us out of it. That's because he can see the person he's making you into, making you more like Christ. I love what Paul David Tripp says in his book, Suffering. He says, because I did not have the power or control to make Mr. Hardship leave, I ran to the place I've always found wisdom, hope, and rest of heart. I ran to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and in doing so, into the arms of my Savior. Parents, even in fear, run to Jesus. I know it sounds so simple, but it's the best place to be. You know, Charles Spurgeon said, you know, I kiss the waves that have thrown me onto the rock of ages. I love that quote. Just go to G run to Jesus. And then the next thing we this book talks about is that raising children exposes our heart issues. Gary Thomas says this, the spiritual process of parenting means that we can no longer hide in the pleasant land of denial. Parenting brings real emotions to the surface, emotions too strong to ignore or deny. You can't become a parent without feeling at various times joy, sadness, anger, and a host of other human emotions. Emotions aren't bad. I grew up in a church where emotions were considered sinful. God is an emotional God. He's one who weeps with us. We see that in the book of John. One who gets jealous. One who gets angry. But this means the motivation behind those emotions are everything. The why behind it. You can do the right thing the wrong way. Like I think of Moses in the book of Numbers when he's leading the people through the desert. And Moses' anger got him in trouble. The people complained about a lack of water. I probably would be one of those people complaining about not having water in a desert. Um, and Moses had enough and he loses control of himself and he strikes a rock twice. And God immediately pronounced judgment over Moses. Um, God had instructed Moses to speak to the rock, yet he struck it instead. And he had struck a rock previously in Exodus 17. Um, but in doing so, he didn't honor God as holy. And he did that because he was angry. It was the right emotion, but he was angry at the wrong reason. It was all about him, not about God's righteous displeasure with sin. He let his passion lead him to do the right thing the wrong way, and it cost him a ticket to the promised land. Have you ever been there like your kid needs punishment, maybe a loving rebuke, correction, whatever it may be, and you did the right thing, but you did it the wrong way. 
You didn't take time to pause, pray, and seeking God's wisdom in the matter. You know, in the Old Testament, the wrath of God, it can be seen as an expression of rejected and wounded love. God gets angry because he cares. God gets angry because his stakes are so high. You know, he's not this temper-laden hothead waiting for us to mess up so he can explode. He feels deeply concerned because he knows the seriousness of sin and our internal destiny. God is anything but stoic. Love drives his emotions. What emotions drive your decision as parents? Is it love? If we're honest with ourselves, it's probably not every time. You know, a lot of times there's patterns that we don't like about ourselves that we see reflected in our children that can cause us to react or discipline our child out of our own shame. Easy way to identify heart issues, really practical. First one, ask yourself, do I struggle with the same thing? Example, like if you notice your kid speaking disrespectfully, do I do the same thing? Are you willing to ask yourself that? Second, are you modeling repentance to your children? You know, if you react in a sinful way, are you repenting in front of your children? Y'all, there's no greater pride killer than having to repent. You know, and then I love what Pastor Jason says. He says all our sins tend to fall under four categories. And if you've been coming to Living Hope for a minute, you've heard them before. Power, popularity, pleasure, and possession. Now, if you're honest with yourself, which of these entice you the most? Like, which is your default that you run to when you're doing things not out of love? And that takes a, that's a hard question to ask, and I get it. It's a scary question, because then you gotta deal with your mess. But James 1.15 tells us, you know, we, that we have to deal with it, because after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when full grown, gives birth to death. You know, Jason, Pastor Jason also says this, that sin may be fun for a while, and it can feel great to do things, to have things like popularity, but there's a price to pay. Sin takes you further than you intended to go. Sin keeps you longer than you intended to stay. And sin costs you more than you ever intended to pay. You know, as we finish up and you guys are about to head to groups, I promised guys I'd be short. I've only been up here for 12 minutes, so trying to honor that for you guys. But as we finish up, remember, what, remember that what you ask your children pales in comparison of what we ask God. In our struggles and in our weariness, may we never get to the place of self-righteousness, forgetting that God has forgiven us, is patient with us, and ensures our own failings, and ensures our own failings to an even greater extent than we do for our kids, children. Most kids live with us, live with us for maybe two decades, maybe two and a half decades. God puts up with us for the entirety of all of our lives. And while our children may occasionally provoke us, God sees every inclination of our hearts. And for every single offense for which we forgive our children, God forgives us many times over. He remains patient with us for many times longer than we must exercise patience with our children. 
He doesn't ask anything of us as parents that he hasn't delivered a hundred times over himself. You know, I love this quote by Gary Thomas from this book. It says, sacred parenting reminds us that no matter how difficult a child may be, we are still playing in the minor leagues compared to God's great sacrifice. Thanks for listening to the Parent Gathering Podcast. We invite you to join us at 9.30 on Sunday mornings in room 215, where we will have opportunities for discussion among other parents. For more information about Living Hope Next Gen Ministries, go to livehopeful.com.